Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, coming to you once again for a spoiler-free review. Yes, we are doing these still. Um, I know we've done a couple recently, but it feels like it's been ages since we've done one. Only about two weeks, but hey, whatever, we're back for another one, uh, because we are doing The Suicide Squad. Not Suicide Squad, (laughs) it's The Suicide Squad. If you don't know the difference, one has the in front of Suicide Squad. It's different, but kind of not. Are you with me? I think so. Uh, the latest you movie. Me. You lost all of us. Uh, DCEU, the 10th film. I can't believe it's the 10th film in the DCEU. And looking forward to talking about this one today. My name is Ben, and so smart me, enjoy books so much. <laughs> Oh, that is such the Ben quote. Uh, <laughs> when uh, it's in the movie, my... I'm like, I have to use that. I have to use that quote. <laughs> uh, my name is Colin, and probably don't need to say this, but that isn't an open invitation for you to cough without covering your mouth. <coughs> um, sorry. Um, I so yes. wanted to just go, hand. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to read the whole thing that I read out beforehand, but it, like, it wouldn't have been out of context. I'll try that again. My name is Ben, and all names are letters, dickhead. Um, now, this was a movie that I honestly forgot was happening. Uh, it was kind of one of these ones that was announced, and then you're kind of like, oh, okay. And then they announced so much stuff about it, and you're like, oh, okay. And then it's like, Oh, Will Smith's not going to be in it. Okay. Idris Elba will be Will Smith. Okay. No, he's not his new character. Okay. They release a post with all these names on it. Okay. They release like a teaser trailer. Okay. Then COVID happens. And then you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden they're like, guess what's out of the movies? The Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, <laughs> did you get all that? I'm not really following today's episode, but I I had no expectations. I mean, I, I'm one of the few. I think you're another one of the few that likes the original Suicide Squad. You know, I'm, we're not one of these haters that think it's the worst thing ever. It was a good movie. It's an Academy Award winning movie. So <laughs> when they did this one, it's like, oh, okay, what are they going to do with it? Okay. They got James- okay. <laughs> <laughs> they said, oh, well, what, what's good about Marvel? Instead of getting Joss Whedon this time around to abuse people, they actually got uh, somebody from the MCU that maybe doesn't abuse people. He just posts, what is it, racist tweets or something like that? Uh, James Gunn. And, okay, we have <laughs> The Suicide Squad, uh, which I'm going to say right now, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought this was a great movie. I laughed. Yeah. I was hooked. Um, I don't think at one point in this entire movie was I going like, oh, Black Widow, is this over yet? Like, <laughs> loved it. I really did. And I, I feel like I'm just kind of the cliche Ben Waterworth now that I can never say a bad word about the DCEU, that I'm going to love everything they put out. But... Tell me when they put out a bad movie and I'll tell you when I can not like a DCEU movie. This movie was great. 
Yeah, I think we'll, we'll say this on all of our DC uh, episodes that we do, but regardless of what people think about, oh, this movie's flawed, this is, this is you know, an issue with this movie, whatever. Um, the fact is, those movies exist within the, the MCU as well, and just nobody wants to say anything. And it's, it's, it's that, uh, I think it was on one of the Avengers uh, Honest trailers where they even made a joke about that. Where it's like it doesn't matter, you know how how garbage something Marvel puts out is. We're gonna love it anyways. <laughs> uh, I've been rewatching a lot of the MCU movies, and I'm finding that the things people complain about with the DCU movies all exist within Marvel, and there are like serious issues with even some of those beloved MCU movies. I'm not saying there aren't issues with the DCU movies. I'm saying they're honestly the same. And I know we covered this uh, back before we did Justice League that there was you know a lot of. Uh, expectations that seem to be put on the early DCU movies and nobody was taken into account. The early MCU movies were considered garbage as well. Nobody likes Iron Man 2. Nobody likes Thor. People were very indifferent on Captain America, the first Avenger. You know, the MCU struggled a lot early on too. Incredible Hulk, another example. But because DCU came later, there's this expectation, well, well they've got to nail it you know, out of the park every single time. Uh, I think we're finally on track now where they're hitting it out of the park, like each and every time. I mean, we've gone Shazam, you know, Wonder Woman 1984, you know, I enjoy it. Again, it's the same as the MCU movies, even the, even the bad movies, I enjoy them, but you know, it's not a great movie. Uh, but you know, the, the, the Snyder cut of Justice League, Aquaman was you know pretty well received, Shazam, this, um, Joker, if you want to include that as well. This really, I think, steps up the first Suicide Squad, but I do want to say this. This false narrative that will exist in all media against DCEU, where no matter what comes out, they want to say, oh, they're clearly panicking and changing this and this. When Shazam came out, oh, they're clearly trying to distance themselves from the extended universe. And then we watch the movie and we're like, no, this is more connected to the other movies than any of the others. With this one, oh, it's a complete reboot. They want to pretend the first one never existed. Really, by the end of this movie, I was feeling like you could have told me this was David Ayer's sequel and I would have believed it. It's just slightly better. Um, and for those out there who hate the first Suicide Squad movie, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one more. But mm. I don't think this is such a radical departure from the style and the type of story they told the first time that it's like that shocking. Yeah, completely agree. Just to clarify one thing. I like Thor. Shut up. And secondly, <laughs> I loved Wonder Woman 1984. Shut up. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And it's... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I we have to be the biggest defenders of the DCEU out there in podcasting, unless there's DCEU Oz that, like, every single week they kind of defend it. But, I mean, we'll get to the ratings at the end of this episode, but, I mean, I've bought literally every single one of these with the exception of Aquaman. And it's not that I dislike Aquaman, it's just Aquaman is just a muddled... Of bazoom Like, that literally describes Aquaman. Like, it's a good movie, but there's just so much shit going on there that I'm like, I need to have crack cocaine to fully appreciate it, I think. <laughs> but, um, and I still haven't seen the Snyder Cut. God, how have I not seen it? We will do our long awaited spoiler free review of the Snyder Cut when Ben Waterworth finally <laughs> sees it. At this point, does it need to be spoiler free? <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, this is just fun. And, like, Again, I like the original Suicide Squad and somebody asked me today, they were like, oh, so is it like a thousand times better? And I'm like, well, no, it's kind of the same. It's just um, maybe a bit gorier. It's got a bit more swearing in it. I'd probably say that the humour in this one maybe lands a bit and there's a bit more of it. I think you've got a better villain. 
Um, you know, you don't have I'm the Enchantress. Like, you don't have Cara Delevingne ruining things. But, I mean, outside of that, like, it's it's pretty much the same. Even sort of everyone's yeah. talking about James Gunn, like, oh, this is this is just the DC version of Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, oh, sure. Like but, like, at the same time, like, you had this quippy sort of banter between all the people back in the first Suicide Squad, you know, and it's kind mm-hmm. of like people are acting like all of a sudden this is completely new. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy can't say fuck. You don't have, like, people being ripped in half and guts going everywhere. Like, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. Like, it's just, it was just fun. And I just, I, going back to what I, I seemingly say about every single movie now, I had no expectations. Like, it was just kind yeah. of, again, the one that was like, oh, there it is, it's the out. Um, and just within five minutes, I'm hooked to this film. Like, I was just absolutely hooked and I did not want it to end. So, um, yeah. Do you, do you know uh, something else that I, I think distances from Guardians of the Galaxy? This feels like a James Gunn movie. I don't know if you've seen any of James Gunn's other movies. I'm actually not that big of a fan of his, you know, non-superhero films. But he has this style that is very gory. It's very irreverent. And there's no way you can pull that off in a Disney movie. So to me, Guardians of the Galaxy always felt like he was neutered a little bit. Like he wanted to go further than he could. And to be perfectly honest, if we ever cover all the movies, I'm actually not that big of a fan of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I think it's okay. I think the story is really lacking. Uh, humor is great, but story is really lacking. Se- I'm actually a bigger fan of the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, but with both those movies, they feel like the Disney version. They feel like, you know, the Disney cut of a James Gunn movie. This is what James Gunn wants to make. It's no surprise that, you know, obviously he signed on to this after, um, you know, Marvel had cut ties with him originally. Uh, but then when Marvel said, no, we'll, we'll let you back in for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, they said, well, now you're going to have to wait for me because I'm doing the Suicide Squad. And now it's come out that he, you know, after doing Suicide Squad, wrote eight episodes. And we'll talk about uh, at one point the, the spinoff that's going to be coming because they've already wrote it, shot it. He directed episodes like he is 100 percent, I believe, behind the DCEU because he can do what he wants. You know, it's not so Disney-fied where he's neutered and he's not allowed to, you know, make it as gory as he wants or as irreverent as he wants uh, or as risque as he wants. And I think he honestly had more fun making this. You can tell just in the finished product that he had more fun making this than he did Guardians of the Galaxy. The one movie I have seen of his outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies is a movie which I don't know if we're doing on bad movie month this year or maybe it will be next year is movie 43 and oh, was he, in that? he was he did a, one of the segments in it i believe but um i weirdly liked movie 43 it, it was stupid like trust me it's like dying another day it's stupid and i can see why people hate it but it's just that right type of just complete stupidity that is hilarious i mean literally hugh jackman has testicles on his chin i mean that is <laughs> How does that not sell that movie as being so stupidly dumb? It's brilliant at the same time. And he he goes on a first date with Kate Winslet. Like, that sells itself. Hugh Jackman with testicles on his chin going on a date with Kate Winslet. There you go. Perfect movie right there. But so I haven't seen anything of him outside of that. But, um, yeah, like, it's just... I think that's just kind of what makes this movie so much different to Guardians of the Galaxy is that it's it's... You can just tell, like, there's just no, basically, limitations to this. Like, I mean, you, you can go a certain way with movies when it comes to, like, swearing. Like, we talked a bit with Birds of Prey about how kind of, like, they had that open-ended sort of, you know, let's swear, let's have violence. But I think that worked for it. 
Um, right. And, you know, I, I loved Birds of Prey. I think it was a great film. But, I mean, this just is a type of movie that works. Like, I mean, if only the original Suicide Squad maybe had this, it would be maybe more well-received. I'm not sure. But, I mean, this is, again, as I, you saying before about what you say with the DCEU and comparing it to Marvel, what I always seemingly say with the DCEU is that, these movies are connected, yes, but like they also stand on their own two feet so much better than the MCU movies. It's hard to kind of like there was so much stuff in Black Widow that clearly there were references to so many things. But because yeah. I have watched the MCU through once and I don't know a lot of those movies besides when I saw them a few years ago, I don't know the references. With this, like, yeah, I like having connected movies and references and that, but this you can just you could literally watch this without having watched the first Suicide Squad. You could watch this without having seen a single mm-hmm. DCEU film. And you would, you know, be fine with it. And that's kind of what I, I weirdly like about the DCEU, as well as liking the fact that they do connect them, but not on the level that they try and do with the MCU. Yeah, and uh, I think I've said this before, maybe before we did Infinity War when we kind of went through our rankings. Um, I feel like as soon as Captain America Civil War came, it reached a point, or I think maybe even Ant-Man, Ant-Man might have been before that. It reached a point where everything in a Marvel movie had to be connected to another Marvel movie. I think it was in Ant-Man, there's a random scene, which goes on for quite a while, where Ant-Man meets Falcon. And the only reason that existed in that movie was because they had to explain how Ant-Man was going to get into Civil War later. And I felt like that dragged down Ant-Man quite a bit because it could have stood as its own. And you can go back and you can write things later on saying, oh, I I, I stumbled across this guy at some point. Do one of your little 10-minute shorts that they used to do. Uh, But I feel like that they they actually drag down a lot of their own movies, even if it's just for a few minutes here or there by including them. I rewatched Thor Ragnarok, which I still hold as one of the best um, Marvel movies. But, I mean, if we're being honest, the Hulk does not help that movie in a lot of ways, you know? Uh, I feel like they hurt the Hulk's character in that movie, and I feel like there's too much of, we got to connect to this, we got to connect to this, where you can't sit down and watch his own. And you're right, this one, I think that if you like the first Suicide Squad movie, you're going to feel this is connected enough to it where it is a sequel, but it's its own standalone story. If you don't like the first Suicide Squad movie, you're probably still going to enjoy this because it's its own standalone story. Um, the other thing, just to add uh, with James Gunn, you know, I, I mentioned how Guardians of the Galaxy, I think the humor works, but the story doesn't work at all. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, those movies are comedies first and action movies second. This is, I would actually say, even though I find it funnier than Guardians of the Galaxy, I would say this is kind of a action drama first and then comedy second. Like they'll let a joke come naturally. And it's not like, oh, we got to have a punchline here. You know, it's let's let's let 10 minutes play out where it's serious drama. And especially when we get close to the end of the movie where everybody's sort of, okay, this is your mission. This is what we got to do. Like you really do feel quite a bit for the characters where it's like they're doomed. You know, he doesn't let the drama of this movie get drowned by the comedy, which I feel like happens a little bit in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. And I think that. You know, you can go out on a limb and make comedy really forced. We've said that about the MCU sometimes. And, you know, they're like, as much as I love the original Justice League, again, I haven't seen the Snyder Cut yet. There are definitely moments in the OG Justice League where kind of you could say, okay, the humor's a little bit like they're trying to be a bit yeah. too marvelly here. Um, whereas, like, this is very natural. 
It's very, like, it doesn't even feel like some of the, like, even just reading the quotes here on IMDb, it's just hilarious because you remember the scenes. And, like, someone, like, the Rick Flagg character, who really was not that funny in the original Suicide Squad, but all of a sudden they make him funny, but without changing the character. He's still Rick Flagg. Um, you know, he's still that character. I mean, Viola Davis as, as Waller, like, I mean, she's not meant to be funny, but she has moments there where she kind of is, and she becomes even more sadistic in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And then to kind of go on the whole, like, stand, I mean, it's, in a way, it's kind of like Space Jam, a new legacy in the fact that, yeah, like, there's, I mean, there's more references in this than there is, like, Space Jam kind of is more of its own two feet, and they kind of just throw away a couple of throwaway jokes. Whereas this, like... It, it, I mean, it reminds me of like, Aquaman too, because Aquaman had very limited references. There was a couple of lines mm-hmm. here and there. And this one, it's kind of, there's a couple of lines here and there. Like, I mean, obviously you've got a lot of the, you know, well, not a lot, like a handful of returning characters. You know, Jai Courtney's back, Margot Robbie's back, the, all the Australians are back. Uh, Rick Flagg's back, um, you know, and kind of Amanda Waller. Like, these characters and actors are back, and it's sort of, that still connects it to it. So, um, yeah, like, I, I kind of like the way they do that. But, I mean, the story of this, you know, obviously the first Suicide Squad, I mean, it's, it's basically the same plot. Like, let's get some ex-cons to save, like, a, a big, you know, deathly thing. I think I kind of enjoy the plot on this one a little bit because I don't question as much as, well, why isn't Superman doing this? Why isn't Batman yeah. doing this? Whereas the first Suicide Squad, it's literally sky beam in the sky, we're going to destroy, what, Edge City and do this. It's like, okay, well, where's Superman? Exactly, this one, yeah. it's this one, it's basically protecting a coup on a on a South American yeah. island and sort of you're not going to be able to secret. talk Superman into doing this. <laughs> yeah, because he's an alien himself. So yeah. you know, oh, I'm not I'm not doing that. That's, that's my Superman impersonation. So it's kind of it feels more of a reason why you would get convicts to do something. You, like you're going to send them to a, an island where who gives a shit if they die? Versus mm. we need them to save the world. And um, it's a shady operation. You know, yeah. it, this this is. If this were a regular superhero movie, you're never going to find any of those characters going along with this plan. Yeah. The thing I also love, like going back to my, you know, rant at the beginning about the cast of this film, like, I mean, everyone remembers that poster I think they launched and it had like 50 names on it. You're like, holy Mm -hmm. fuck, like stacked cast. Without spoiling anything, the beauty of this film, like it reminded me of Deadpool 2. Because, like, Deadpool 2 was renowned to, we've got Brad Pitt, we've got this person, we've got that person. Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt was in it for, like, two seconds and gets killed off. Spoiler alert (laughs) if you haven't seen Deadpool 2. This movie's kind of the same. They just get all these people in it, and you're like, oh, wicked, look who it is. And they're just not afraid to kill anyone, like, literally in the opening scene of the movie. It's like, oh, my God, like, that's all they're in this for? It's brilliant. And, like, can I just point out, too, I saw Sylvester Stallone's name. In the opening credits, oh, Sylvester Stallone's in it. I left the movie going, wait, I didn't see Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> now I realise he's the voice of the shark. Yeah. <laughs> That's very Vin Diesel you didn't with, know that? Um, with Groot. No, I didn't know that. I had no clue. But I love that. Like, that's kind of like how they got George Clooney to do the voice of the dog in uh, one of the South Park episodes. Whenever they get, like, celebrity cameos in South Park, they'd get them to just yeah. voice an animal. <laughs> uh, like, I just think that's brilliant. But, I mean, the cast of this film is so stacked, but I, I just love how they're not afraid to do whatever the fuck they want with this cast. Yeah, and you alluded towards uh, the opening sequence. Something very clever is done. I think this is one of the the things that does set it apart from the first one. It's a lot more stylistic at times, uh, especially in the opening of the movie. Like, it really messes with you. Like, wait, what's going on? Wait, who's doing this? And who are they with? There's a way that the whole opening sequence is structured where it does catch you off guard. You're like, wait, what happened to this character? Wait, this character lived? This character died? Like, it's it's very clever that the way he put that together without it ever being obvious uh, and even as the movie progresses, you know, we'll just say 
well giving away any spoilers characters do die in this movie but it makes sense when they die and it catches you off guard it's not one of these things where you know it's it's so obvious that they're going to die but then it's handled like if we're if we're all being honest you know the the han solo death we all knew it was coming in force awakens but it still caught you off guard that's not taking away from that death but this movie it's different it's like they how how did they just kill that character yeah. And then you're like, you let it sit for a few seconds. You're like, whoa, that's actually really smart. That's really effective. This, this, I'm sure, will be ripped apart in the media. You know, at point saying it's like, oh, you know, they're they're making fun of other DCU movies by killing off this character, killing off this character. It's not that at all. It's just it's a clever way of handling movie and and keeping the stakes alive in the movie because this is probably one of the few times. There's lots of movies. Game of Thrones is renowned for this. You know, we're just gonna kill off whoever we want. And the audience never sees it coming. Uh, but even in Game of Thrones, like when you reach the end, I, when Ben eventually reaches the end of Game of Thrones, I know, <laughs> when we reach the end of Game of Thrones, you still know there's certain characters that they're not going to take from you. You sort of look at the supporting cast. With this, you're you're like, okay, all bets are off. Maybe they're going to kill off Harley Quinn. Maybe they're going to kill off uh, Rick Flagg. Maybe they're going to kill off Bloodsport, uh, Idris Elba, or whatever. Uh, you honestly have no clue. With, with Sylvester Stallone, I just want to say, I knew he was going to be King Shark going into this, uh, which I thought was brilliant because he was in Guardians of the Galaxy as well, yeah. kind of had a cameo. So he's a James Gunn guy. But I feel like this is so much better than Groot. Like, yes, yeah. it is the same thing as Groot. But, I mean, it's so, this is one of the few characters, there are so many characters in this movie that, as compared to the first Suicide Squad, where I knew, I think, 95% of the characters from the comic books, I know, like, two or three of the new characters in this movie, and King Shark's one of them. Uh, so I was so excited that he was going to be King Shark, and, like, they nailed this character. It, he is a complete beast, but he's, you know, ridiculous. Like, you mentioned the, the one line I had early on. I, to me, the hardest I laughed in this entire movie was him, where they give this whole speech about, okay, and you need to do this, and he raises his hand, and he goes, hand <laughs> and it's not just that it's like with a yes that is your hand shark and he just goes hmm yeah <laughs> I, I like the bit when he's doing, which, when they're doing the whole um the plastic explosives bit and oh, you've got yeah. john cena there like doing this and he's like Ooh, and he's like no that's not how you do it you need to put it in the brick it's like you and he's like yeah, yes it's very good Actually, that's very pl- that's very flattering. I want to while I'm on Jen's, John Cena. Like I've, I mean, he sort of was out of my era of wrestling. I, I'd long stopped watching wrestling when John Cena became a thing, so I never got on the John Cena bandwagon in wrestling. And I've seen him in, I mean, the Daddy's Home movies or whatever they're called. Um, I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. I looked at his Train filmography. Rack. No, no, not seen Trainwreck. Wow. You're the second person to bring that up to me randomly today. Have you seen Trainwreck? I'm like, is this just a new thing? Has it been on TV a lot recently? Um, But the thing, like, I loved him in this movie. He was hilarious. Like, it's kind of like Dave Bautista. I mean, mean, clearly the parallels there, you know, get the wrestler in. But, like, I I know, I think from memory, you're not a big Dave Bautista fan in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I, I personally love him. I think he's great. But I think John Cena is a hundred times better. Like, it's just kind of just, he's so charismatic and just but like hilarious and like the he has the the banter he has with Idris Elba and with uh Rick Flags uh, the I don't know the actor plays Rick I do but I, I, I let's call him Rick Flag um <laughs> like it's brilliant it's so yeah. good just the back and forth and it's just he's just funny like there's a scene with him in his underwear and it's just like it's just played oh. for laughs and it's just so silly and funny um it's just ah oh, I like it makes me want to go back and watch John Cena and wrestling all of a sudden yeah, I, I'm kind of like you. I, I think I was just starting to get out of wrestling when John Cena was becoming a thing. 
And then when I sort of tuned back in, like when they started offering the WWE network a couple of years ago, I'm like, all right, I'll start watching this. I mean, he was sort of at his tail end there and I was sort of bored with this good guy character, but if you go back and you watch some of the early stuff he did. I mean, it is more in line with what he's doing in this movie. It's, a little bit vulgar, a little bit inappropriate. And I think that's clearly what he's good at. You know, he tried to launch a movie career, I think like in the mid 2000s and it just didn't take off. And then Trainwreck, the reason I mentioned that is because that's sort of the one that uh, they randomly put him in that movie and just a supporting, they had like three scenes and he like stole the whole movie. And all of a sudden everybody's like, we got to get John Cena in our movie. So he did like the, the Bumblebee movie and he's doing this now. I mean, he is the breakout character so much that, that's the TV series that we were alluding to earlier. James Gunn finished this movie and said, I want to write a Peacemaker TV series. And he wrote it. He filmed it. And I didn't even realize this was happening until after the movie finished, where all of a sudden I read up. Yeah, like, me too. This is coming in. Yeah, it's like it's coming in January. They're done. Yeah. Like, that's how much everybody's in love with this character. Um, you mentioned uh, the, the the underwear scene, too. That's basically how I'm going to get Jamie to watch this movie. Because uh, she, she <laughs> wanted to go to it with me. She also was not a John Cena fan until she saw him in Trainwreck, where I think he's you know nude, at least from behind. And suddenly, she's the biggest John Cena fan in the world. So I told well, her, he's in his tidy whities with a giant bulge. She's like, I'm there. We're going to see and it. You, and you get John uh, John Kinnaman. That's his name. Joel uh, Kinnaman, Flag. yeah. Joel, sorry, yes. Uh, shirtless for a while as well. And uh, he, he's a good-looking rooster. I, I like mm. me some Joel. I'd, I'd, I'd turn for him. But, um, I mean, the other people in this movie, like, can I just say, what is it with us recently doing superhero movies with the cast of Quantum of Solace? Like, <laughs> is the entire cast of Quantum of Solace just gone superhero? We've now got, what is it, Joaquin Cosio, a.k.a. General Rapo from mm. Quantum of Solace, basically plays the same, the character, same character in this movie. <laughs> Um, so like, I, I don't know what it is about the cast of Quantum of Solace making it in the, uh, the MC and the DCEU. Um, Idris Elba, like, honestly, like, again, I had never heard of Idris Elba until his name was put on a, he should be a James Bond list. We saw, what was it? The, the Dark Tower or whatever the hell that was. Yeah. I realized Ugh. he's in the Thor movies. Um, and then there was something else I think I eventually saw him in. But I mean, he's brilliant. Like he's funny. Yeah. He's ca- like this is probably the first time I'm being dead set honest with you. I could see him as James Bond. I'm like, and like he's if not you even were about play- ten years younger. Let's say yeah. <laughs> but like I can see him playing a James Bond type character now. Like I'm like okay, I see it. The one complaint I do have though, like this is literally the same character Will Smith plays in the first one. Yeah. Like I mean, it's it's dead shot and blood sport. Like they would have easily gotten away with this, but. I mean, outside of that, I mean, Margot Robbie is Margot Robbie. She's brilliant. Like, we love Harley Quinn, always that. I mean, Viola Davis, again, just turns even more sadistic and evil. She's brilliant. Um, the girl who plays uh, the rat catcher, I don't know who she is, but I liked her. Yeah. Uh, I love the polka dot guy. Like, he was probably my favourite <laughs> character in the movie. Jai Courtney, I swear, got more Australian for this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if that's even possible. Uh, but, I mean, it's got, like I said, cast Nathan Fillion. Like, there he is. Uh, Pete Davidson, <laughs> there he is. Uh, Michael Rooker, there he is. Like, I mean, God, you name it, they're in this movie. Uh, and it's just it's just crazy, like, how stacked this cast is. And even, like, I don't know the characters' names, but all the supporting cast around Viola Davis's character, like, in yeah. the little room, that other her, woman her who, crew. like, who was the, the, the sidekick where she's just basically like, get off your fucking ass and fucking help out. Like, the way she, like, screams off is hilarious. But there's, there's not a bad actor in this movie. 
Yeah, with with Idris Elba, it's funny because I didn't know who Bloodsport was from the comics. And as you mentioned at the beginning, this was announced as Idris Elba's replacing Will Smith because he's not available. But then I guess Will Smith was like, you know, I, I I just I'm not available for this movie, but I'd love to come back for another one. And suddenly they're changing and like, well, let's make Idris Elba a different character because we can have both of these. Uh, I, I read James Gunn basically said he changed nothing in the script, but you know, referencing the Karen Sears name and then giving his gadgets a little bit of a different feel. This is 100% the same character. I mean, down yeah. to he's got the daughter. He's yep. the one sympathetic character. Same thing. He's a sharpshooter. He's an assassin and all that. Literally the exact same character. But what works is Idris Elba gives it such a different personality where you're not watching this movie. If, if you go in knowing this is supposed to be, uh, it was supposed to be Deadshot, you can connect the dots and be like, yeah, that was obviously Deadshot. Yeah, they didn't change this. It was supposed to be Deadshot. But if you watch this movie and just watch Idris Elba's performance, you never think he's playing Deadshot or knockoff of Deadshot. Like he gives it such a different personality just through his performance. Uh, and I had seen him in other things before. Um, he, the thing he was most well-known for was a TV show called Luther, which is mm. a great, uh, you know, kind of gritty detective show. Uh, but uh, in the movie Prometheus, I think that was the first time I saw him where he had humor and personality. And it's the same thing as you. You know, I've always said, if you're going to cast Idris Elba as James Bond, the issue is his age. He is... Yeah, I think the same age as Daniel Craig or maybe a few years younger, but he looks older than Daniel Craig. You're never going to pull that off. But yeah, he could completely pull off a James Bond character you know, if he was the right age. Uh, the other ones you mentioned, like Joel Kinnaman, I mean, he's definitely got more humor in this movie. I thought he was better in this than he was the first time, and I liked him in the first one. Because he doesn't have Cara Delevingne hanging off his arm the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Okay, Cara Delevingne, <laughs> great to look at, but not much going on up in the acting department. Sorry, Cara. Uh and you mentioned earlier, you didn't mention him as far as the cast goes. You mentioned earlier this has a better villain, but Peter Capaldi, who plays the villain, is the thinker. Oh, uh, I feel yeah. Like he's, What's he off? He's off so many He's things. Doctor Who. Oh, like, I feel like, okay, I've never watched Doctor Who, but for half of this movie I'm thinking, didn't that dude play Doctor Who? Like, I've never yeah. watched Doctor Who in my life. But, like, to me I'm going, did he not play? But I, also I think I've seen him something else. Sorry, continue. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's absolutely brilliant in Doctor Who. Uh, so when I knew he was going to be in this movie, I was hoping that he would have played, like, a weird quirky character because this movie has the right balance between being modern and everything about it looking like a modern superhero movie and a lot of throwbacks and his is kind of a throwback with the, you know, the, the little sensors hanging out of his head but he doesn't go like full goofy at any point like he's still a, a sinister villain while being a little bit quirky a little bit funny uh and i think that screen time wise i don't think he has a lot more screen time than a lot of other the villains that we've seen but i feel like he just has a presence that stands out more than some of these other villains like jamie's gonna hate me for saying this because you know she would leave me for him but patrick wilson in aquaman great villain a ton of screen time but i feel like peter capaldi stands out more than patrick wilson does i i mean just on that and i i realize where i know him from he played a two character arc on the vicar of dibley there you go and i know exactly oh, what character he was the, the boyfriend Tristram. right the, the, yeah. The, yeah, like he's the one who shows up on Christmas Day and it's like, I was yeah. wondering if you would marry me. Um, oh, sorry, what did you say? I, I can't yeah. believe you like the Vicar of Dibley. We need to, we need to do the Vicar of Dibley. I love you, that Well, show. you would recommend it. I got the Brit Box app, mostly for old Doctor Who stuff, and you'd recommended that show. So uh, I watched through a bunch of it and I saw Peter Capaldi last year. I'm like, Peter Capaldi was in this show. Yeah, so yeah. he's. Yeah. I mean, he's an incredible actor. I think it's great when you have these actors who have been around forever and they sort of catch their big break late in their career. Yeah, no, I agree. But, like, it's kind of going on that page. Like, have we had any DCEU movie that has had a bad villain? Uh, I think we are kind of almost perfect, um, really, with it. I mean, I mean you, 
I mean, I haven't seen uh, Zack Snyder's yet, so I can't comment on that. I mean, what's his face? Um, Pedro Pascal, brilliant in Wonder Woman 84, mm. whether you like it or not. Ewan McGregor, do we need to even mention that? Oh. <laughs> um, what's his face in Shazam? Brilliant. Uh, you just mentioned him in Aquaman. Great. Justice League, sure, there were some issues there. Wonder Woman, yeah, okay, he wasn't... He was fine. Um, original Suicide Squad, okay, Cara Delevingne. Um, Batman v Superman, Zod. Wanna, Zod, yeah, exactly, and Batman v Superman, okay, sure, issues there. But, I mean, God, like, I mean, again, going back to the comparisons of the MCU, Jesus Christ, we've had a, a few yeah. terrible ones in that. But I the mean, one even thing Marvel I, fans have always sort of... Uh, given up the fact that it's like yes i'll admit dc has better villains but it's not just they have better villains i mean they're using some obscure villain the thinker is not <laughs> a well-known villain uh black mask is not a well-known villain they're getting the right actors and then putting the right emphasis on these characters so that they are memorable and they are sinister and they are you know dangerous the the one thing that I went into this movie, like again, I, I always say I've never read comics. I I know the main ones. Like I very rarely know references. I actually got a reference in this movie. Weird, like it was the weirdest way possible. So the the starfish things, like the alien starfish things that go oh, on yeah. people's faces. So at um a theme park where I lived in Brisbane, it was called uh, Warner Brothers Movie World. Obviously, it's it's very much Warner Brothers stuff. So like very, there's a lot of DC stuff, a lot of Looney Tunes stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. And because I'm a chicken and I don't go on rides, one of the few rides I would go on was kind of like a, a 3D virtual reality, sort of like a shooting game where you would be on like a, almost like a ghost train thing. And you'd go through buildings and you would have 3D glasses and you would have like a, a laser gun and you would basically, it was just like an a interactive video game. And the whole plot around that was um, the Justice League were taken over by the starfish. So, like, you had to shoot yeah. the starfish off the Justice League's face. And then when you got to, like, the end part, there was, like, a giant starfish that, like, I think it kidnapped Superman or something like that, and you had to shoot it. Um, it was like, And the whole time I'm going, wait, are they those starfish things from that <laughs> thing that I played? Hey, I get it from the comic books. These must be real things. So... <laughs> For the first time I've ever watched something and not just got, oh, Batman, he's from the comic books. Um, like, I actually I actually got it. The, the one thing that I will say that the first Suicide Squad has a, a huge up on, and this is not to take away from what I'm about to say, the soundtrack, I mean, for the original Suicide Squad was, yeah. was nigh on perfect. Uh, I mean, the music in this is great. Don't get me wrong. There are some great songs, which I may have sneakily pulled my phone out and Shazam so I could uh, download them later on. But I think that the difference is, is like, I don't know if this soundtrack is going to go out there and do what the original... I mean, God, I still listen to the original Suicide Squad to this day. Heathens, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all the other ones on it that are clearly I'm forgetting, but what a great <laughs> soundtrack. But, I mean, this still had great music to it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, that one thing that I will say the original Suicide Squad better, soundtrack. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, although, the same as you, as soon as I finish this movie, I'm like, I got to find the soundtrack. I'm disappointed that it doesn't look like they released this as its own. The score is released as its own soundtrack. I believe they have, have to... released this as its own soundtrack. Oh, well, have they now? Uh, yeah, according I to the DCEU page on Wikipedia, they released the Suicide Squad original motion picture soundtrack and the Suicide Squad score from the original, both released on August the 6th. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I have to look further for this. Uh, God, but I mean, it, it's a great, it's a great soundtrack, and it's it's in line with the first one. This is one of the many things I'll say. This isn't a complete reboot. It is 
at least in the tone and everything, a sequel to the original, uh, the soundtrack is the same style as the original. You have a little bit of yeah. classic rock in there. You have a little bit of modern music, but they all fit together. Nothing feels like, oh, those are two completely different sounds. Uh, and especially when you get to the end of the movie, I, I mentioned earlier the the, um, the way that the team sort of comes together in the end. Uh, when you get to the big climax, you do this, you do this, you do this, and ev- all those pieces fit together. Everybody's got a part in it. Uh, even the, the team wanting to leave at one point, and then we're going to come back. Like there's a lot of things that feel like they can, I even saw in the end credits, they have like the special thanks to David Ayer and it, people say what you want, whether you like the original suicide squad or you don't like it. I know I've met people who said, yeah, I love the first suicide squad. I met people who said, I thought it was okay for what it was. And I met people who said, I just don't know why I didn't like it. I'll respect all those opinions, but to just blame David Ayer for it. I mean, now there's all this, you know, release the air cut, I'm not for that just because if you watch the Suicide Squad Blu-ray, there's about 30 to 40 minutes of deleted scenes on there and none of them would fit in the movie. Listen to that, Jared Leto. Rewatch your scenes. They wouldn't fit in the movie. But having now seen, I don't want to spoil too much for you, but having seen the Snyder Cut and realizing that so much of what changed was just the pacing, the editing, little tweaks here and there without actually having new footage in, just, you know, we're going to change the scene drastically in the ways presented the score and all that. I'd be behind seeing the air cut because uh, I also feel like, you know, James Gunn respected David Ayer enough to say, like, here's a few things you did in the original. I'm going to carry that through in the finale. Um, the one thing with, you know, the the throwback to classic you know, 80s style with like John Cena's costume, you know, mm-hmm. that is brilliant. Especially they refer to it as like a toilet bowl on his head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're looking yeah. at the whole time saying, what is it that's off about this? But the way the starfish, the, the, the big villain, as you mentioned, that we get to see at one point. I mean, this had Stay Puft Marshmallow Man all over it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so great to watch a movie like this. And you haven't seen it yet. We're going to get to it eventually. But Scott Pilgrim versus the World, when Edgar Wright made that movie, he said he didn't want the visual effects to look bad, but he didn't want it to look so perfect. Like he said, there's something about the visual effects in the 80s that looked a little bit artificial, but it was just done in a way where it seemed bigger, it seemed scarier, that when Scott Pilgrim versus the world, he wanted those effects to look kind of 80-ish. That's what James Gunn does here with like these alien, the starfish, as you mentioned. They look like something out of the 70s or the 80s, and that weirdly works in the finale without this movie feeling like it's 100% a throwback. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I mean, visually, this film's fantastic. I think it looks it looks really, really good. Um, and there's like the, I guess, the the go-to Harley Quinn fight sequence, which kind of is very Birds oh, of yeah. Prey-ish, where like she's obviously yeah. got the beanbag guns. And this one, you've kind of got well, like flowers around her and like birds. And like that, I saw a lot of people complaining about like, oh, since when Harley Quinn do Harley Quinn do this and blah blah blah? I'm like, well, that's the point of like a film like this. It's just Harley Quinn's gonna fight because that's Harley Quinn. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of what it is. Um, Heathens, Sucker for Pain, Purple Lamborghini, and Gangster. They're the four songs. Yeah, the the the, the big ones from uh, from what's the movie called? Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide right. Squad. <laughs> Literally the same title as the movie without the. Oh, I get it now. That's <laughs> okay. how they're connected. Wow. There you go. I see what they did there. Um, I don't really have much else to to add. I mean, I think I've kind of covered for the most part. I mean, critically, this is actually doing very, very well. Um, in terms of the reviews, this is actually the second highest 
rated DCEU film outside of Wonder Woman on Rotten Tomatoes. This has a 91% right now. Wonder Woman only at 93%, which is uh, good to see. Um, and Metacritic, it is also the second highest behind Wonder Woman. People are talking this up as being a bit of a failure at the box office. Well, I mean, there's a oh. slight reason behind that. Yeah. <laughs> um, something's happening in the uh, world, I think, right now. I don't know. Have you heard about it? Like, okay, this is the thing. This is where the media, again, is completely biased against DC movies because sure, Wonder or not Wonder Woman, Black Widow made like $80 million or whatever. Um, and then the box office dropped off completely. This opens with $26 million and they're like, oh, well, it didn't even open near Black Widow and both of these movies are available on streaming platforms as well. Big difference, Black Widow was available on Disney Plus if you're willing to pay $35. This was available on HBO Max for free if you had a subscription. That's going to cut any movie's box office. I mean, I don't think we could judge the box office of anything until we actually would look at what they're making from these. HBO Max must have offered a ton of money uh, for all these Warner Brothers movies. You know, the same thing with um, Kong versus Godzilla earlier in the year and all that. Uh, But the second part is this is an R-rated movie. And I I was glad to see at least one article not saying, oh, this movie's a failure and saying there has not been an R-rated movie that was released during the pandemic let alone an R-rated movie that was released on a streaming platform for free as well. I mean, in the end, this movie's probably going to make them a fortune. Uh, and I, one thing I'm glad of is that James Gunn's already said, yeah, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do another one. I mean, he's fulfilling his obligation to finish Guardians of the Galaxy, but he, this is why I said earlier, he's 100% behind this. He says, I'm going to come back, I'm going to do the sequel. I'm going to basically do the same thing I did this time. I'm going to change up the characters and I'm making a Peacemaker show. Which, can I just say, I, I'm glad we're going back to your point about Will Smith basically saying, oh, I'll come back. Like, I actually really want to see Will Smith and Idris Elba together in a film. Oh, yeah. Like, that would be brilliant. Like, that would just work so well together. And I'm reading here on, on Wikipedia, it's funny how they say about the underperformance. They're like, the underperformance was blamed on the ongoing concerns over the COVID Delta <sighs> variant, the simultaneous HBO Max release, the overall mixed reception of the DCEU, and the confusion of whether the film was a sequel, spin-off, or reboot. Can I just point out that this whole DCEU hate is dead? Because let's point out that outside of Wonder Woman 84, which still is at a 59% on, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it wasn't terrible. The, the only, quote, bad films based on reviews, Suicide Squad, 26%, 2016. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, 29%, 2016. Justice League, 40%, 2017. And that was the non-Snyder cut. Man of Steel, 56%, what was that, 2013. So every movie post-2017, we've got Aquaman at 65%, which made $1.5 billion. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League, which clearly has done well enough to get a 71%. Birds of Prey, 79%. That was considered a bomb, but it was, you know, still did very well. Shazam, 90%. The Suicide Squad, 91%. Wonder Woman, 93%. Now, we don't have time to go through all the Marvel ones at the same time, but, I mean, you've got the majority of films are sitting above 60% in the ratings, including Aquaman, um, which, again, a billion and a half dollars that made around the world. So, like, why do people still shit all over the DCE? EU. Like I just it's don't this, understand this it. Media bias, like it's it's almost like Marvel has given the money <laughs> to say don't say anything good about DC because you'd be hard pressed to find one of these movies that that people didn't genuinely enjoy. 
Mm. And the ones that haven't made as much money have been the R-rated. I mean, Joker made a ton of money. Well, I was going like, to mention Joker. If you, I mean, take it yeah. out of the DCU because it's not technically part of the DCEU. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, how many Oscars did that get nominated for? It won Best Actor. I mean, like, it, it got a shit ton of praise outside mm-hmm. of that. And that is, whether it's a DCEU movie or not, it's still a DC movie. No yeah. Marvel movie has won uh, Best Actor at the Oscars. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, We're nominated God, I mean, for best picture. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Like, Paul Rudd again, was robbed, but <laughs> I'm not knocking Marvel. I'm saying, yeah, me neither. These two franchises are the same. You know, they both hit and miss in certain areas. They both have their big movies. I mean, you know, a perfect example is when Captain Marvel came out. It was all, oh, this is incredible. It's the first female superhero movie ever. Do you forget Wonder Woman <laughs> from years yeah. earlier? And now and, a couple yeah. years later, everybody's finally admitting, yeah, Captain Marvel, not such a great movie. Uh, but yeah. I mean, this is great. I think this movie is going to stand the test of time. Uh, I think that as more people see it, forget about what it made for box office, the amount of people who have seen this on HBO Max. I mean, I think that it's gotten really positive response and I'm, I'm excited that they're going to make a sequel. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited that uh, we're going to be able to tie these characters together from the first and second now because Will Smith is not out. And like you said, there's something they do in this movie with with Bloodsport and another character where there's a competition going on. Yeah. Just imagine what it's going to be when Deadshot and Bloodsport are together. Th- that is literally one of the funniest scenes when they're trying to like compare them. And it's kind of yeah. like you, you sort of have this whole big speech about how they're basically going on about this is what they do. And then like even I'm like watching this going like, wait, didn't they just say this about another character? And then like that's the whole joke. They're like, yeah. wait, you do know that that's the same as me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I mean, I'm obviously buying this movie. I'm assuming you're doing the same. Yeah, absolutely. Which, I mean, looking at my, I mean, my ratings, I've bought every DCEU film with the exception of Aquaman, which was a rent. And I think based on what I can see here, you've done the same, except you rented Wonder Woman 84. Did you rent Aquaman? I think I rented the original Suicide Squad as well. Um, Let's see here. Aqu- no, you bought Aquaman and Suicide Squad, you did rent it as well so and those are strong rents still like i haven't yeah. not enjoyed any of these movies yeah no absolutely agree and this, yeah 100 percent agree uh i mean i don't know off the top of my head where i would rank this it would probably be top half um, mm-hmm. but uh, i would have to kind of really think about how that would go uh in terms of what we've got coming up obviously our tv shows we've got 24 breaking bad loss is coming soon uh, i can officially confirm that loss is around the corner in only a couple of days, though, Colin, it is a significant anniversary on the Oz Network. It is our oh, third, boy. is it our third? It is our third anniversary yeah. of The Room. And we always promise that uh, every year on the year that we release The Room, we would do an episode on The Room and we keep our promises on the Oz Network. Well, mostly. Uh, and we are back to do it. And what are we doing this year for our third anniversary Room celebration episode? This one's exciting because I think um, we, we recap The Room uh, on our first year as the Oz Network, we did a commentary of the room the second year. Last year, we ranked our top 10 favorite moments of the room. This time, it works out perfectly because there are 10 characters in the room and we are ranking all 10 characters in the room. And I think this one's a lot more up for grabs than last year. Uh, I've already sent my rankings to Rossi and I was surprised at you know what my top half looked like of this list. But I mean, there are characters who have like three lines in the room. And they're already like memorable enough characters that I want to poster them on my wall and I want them on a t-shirt. I, I want to just point out, Colin Hilding, that you're wrong. There are 11 characters. I looked up a list today and I don't Uh-oh. think you're counting Flower Shop Lady. 
Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Ones with she was, names. She was number 11 on the list that I looked at. So I'm like, well, did we count flower shop lady? Is doggy in there? <laughs> yeah, well, you're my favorite customer. Like, come on. Um, so that will be coming uh, this Sunday on the 15th. Outside of that, uh, our next spoiler-free review, well, I'm going to go see Free Guy. Are you going to go see Free Guy? Have we established whether you're seeing Free Guy? Uh, so... Jamie and I have a babysitter. We have plans uh, on Friday night to go to a movie. We got free movie passes that I've been sitting on for about a year now. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of whether she wants to see Free Guy more or whether she wants to see John Cena in his tidy whities Okay, well, if you don't see it, I'll do it by myself. If you do see it, then we'll do it together. And do we have anything else coming up in August, September? I mean, obviously, I, I'm i going to guess we're going to do either cross-platforming it with 007 or maybe we'll just do a shorter one here on the Oz Network for No Time to Die. Uh, mm. But, I mean, do we have anything else before then? I don't. Everything's up in the air. I think we have plans that have been uh, shuffled around a couple times. Um, the only thing, it'll be post that, but I know we're definitely going to be doing The Matrix unless The Matrix gets oh, delayed. I, I actually, I meant more just in terms of movie releases rather than our months that we keep teasing people with. Uh, oh, um, yeah, I don't even know what's coming out. Uh, <laughs> when's the, what's the Marvel one coming out? When's that come out? Oh, Shang-Chi. Yeah, so Shang-Chi definitely in uh, September. Okay, well, there you go. Shang-Chi, there you go. I, for the first time, I saw footage of it for a trailer before this i'd never seen any footage of it. and i actually saw another trailer for no, the no time to die trailer keeps playing before it so i, I get yeah. very excited so uh there you go but yes in terms of the other stuff uh i'm gonna go out on a limb and potentially say that our mighty duck stuff will finally happen all three recaps plus a, I guess just a review of the tv series uh so stay tuned for that and seriously if i end up watching Zack snyder's justice league i'm down for doing a spoiler free review i know it's five yes. months too late but I will gladly do it because anything to talk about the DCEU. We're the one podcast that waits until September to do a DCEU movie, Justice League, whatever it is. Um, Do all the regular stuff. Like us, follow us, Patreon. You'll hear it all in the end here. And we always appreciate your support and think that you're great. Uh, My name is Ben and fuck it. All names are letters, dickhead. (laughs) And my name is Colin. Okay. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir. sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> 
That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 